Welcome back to another tonic discussion. Uh, today we're talking about accountability. So this has been a ongoing theme of some of the last conversations that we've had. And I wanted to just start us out and talk about how it relates to my conception of morality. So in, in some back and forths with a reader, Gabriel, and then also Kryptos' latest, there's this idea that there are means that might be a little undesirable, like lying, deceit, deception, or some other coercive means, which I, you know, people, most people would agree tend to trend towards evil, but that we should evaluate the impact. We should evaluate the outcome. We should evaluate the ends. Are the ends noble enough that they justify the means? And what I would say is this directly plays into the concept of accountability. Because we have a hard enough time as it is holding people accountable for their means. What do they do? Because there's not a lot of agreement as to which means are acceptable and which means are not. But as soon as we start allowing for people to justify distasteful means, things that we all kind of agree aren't noble, lying, deceit, theft, violence, in that they might lead to some noble or justifiable end. Anybody familiar with the complexity of social science, as soon as you're dealing with complex social phenomenon, how how can we walk the dog between somebody's actions and the ends? How can we directly attribute what somebody did to an outcome in any sort of complex system? So this is especially pertinent for government policy. But even if you're trying to implement a policy in a large organization, perhaps your actions made undesirable ends, they mitigated them a bit. How do we know? Maybe they caused those undesirable outcomes completely. Maybe they made undesirable or bad outcomes somewhat less, less egregious. Maybe you get a good outcome, but it would have been better if not for the nefarious means that you employed. It creates illegibility with respect to accountability. And as long as that illegibility exists, people with the highest IQ, like especially the highest verbal IQs, uh, are, are going to be able to create narrative moralizations of their self-interest, explaining how whatever means they, they engaged in, if you can detect the means they engaged in, were justified because they intended for some noble end. And I, I think that that's inevitable. And we expand that concept across time and space and look at the entire economy, look at the entire action and purpose of government and policy. And I, I think it should be clear that we should be really careful and maybe reject the idea that 
we should be looking at ends at all and trying to evaluate ends at all because there's no accountability there. It's hard enough to hold people accountable for their means. So perhaps that's where we should focus. And towards that end, my, my two principles that I propose to judge people by their means, and, and it also accounts for ends a little bit, is looking at hypocrisy and delusion. Is somebody hypocritical? Are their actions consistent is what you're asking. And I don't think that somebody whose actions are inconsistent, their means on aggregate can set, be said to be moral because they're conflicting. So some might be good. Some, If some are good, then some are bad if they're inconsistent. And then similarly with delusion, delusion just allows you to be hypocritical without admitting as much to yourself. But it also makes it so that if you notice a consistent pattern where your actions are producing ends that are undesirable, if you're not delusional, at some point you're going to have to realize, hey, maybe these means that I'm engaging in are producing these undesirable outcomes and reflect on that and integrate that feedback. But if you're delusional, you can always blame somebody else. So I just wanted to start off a discussion on account on accountability with those thoughts. Well, let me respond because uh, I was thinking of a, a couple possible like counterexamples. I don't know if that would be the way to phrase it, but I want to. So I want to get some clarity here. So it ties into what you just said about okay. Well, so if you well, let's use the example of a of a politician that gets into office. Uh, might even be a political party and then things just progressively get worse right so this is regardless of of means I, I think we're talking about actual established ends here so when the when they actually do something that makes things worse like i think that that's a case where ends should be taken into account and they should be like okay well whatever you did you did it wrong because bad stuff started happening so maybe we should remove you from office so i think a distinction should be made between ends as a justification future ends like in the hypothetical in like the the possible the potential the probable uh, and using means as a justification for those stated ends in that case I, I totally agree with you that that we shouldn't be that uh you know that's totally irrelevant we should be looking at the means that people are using regardless of what their stated ends are but then yes, we should absolutely. also be looking at yeah yeah we should yeah, also be I looking not... at the actual I do not mean to say that if we already know the ends, we should ignore those. Yeah. No, okay. this is this is because before we engage in the means, right. we don't know the ends and we can't. Right. So like if we already know them, then absolutely it is a factor worth considering. And that's where the delusion comes into play. Because if that happens over and over and over again, then that's strong evidence of delusion. That yeah. it's somebody that's saying, hey, I want to get after these ends. And they're consistently screwing it up so spectacularly. Well, they're probably delusional. Okay. Okay. Well, how, how about this one then? This, so I cleared that one up, but I was reading this book, uh, a book that I, I used a, a little bit for a couple of articles I wrote on, on my Substack. um, this book called after the, I think it was called after the natural law. And there was a section on, uh, on punishment and it was in the context of like prisons and prison reform. And because I'd read at the same time, I was I was looking for for data on prisons and uh, <clears throat> you know the effectiveness of 
of certain types of punishment and you know what people think works and what people think don't work and um and so this guy who's a kind of a i think he's a, a legal a legal scholar maybe a philosopher of of law as well and he was making the point that he he did that that was utilitarian thinking he wasn't a fan of utilitarian thinking in terms of okay well if we if we save this much doing this then that's a good thing and if we reform this many criminals that's a good thing because they contributed to society he said no that that's utilitarian thinking but he he kind of threw that out he said it's it's a moral it's a moral issue and uh because is it is it right to punish criminals so essentially his point i'm gonna i'm he might he might not agree with my take on it but the 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 moral i took out of his his discussion here was that it doesn't matter if punishment works or it doesn't work it's the right thing to do you know that people deserve to be punished and you know whether that leads to to good things or bad things in the future that's irrelevant like that's kind of my extreme version of of what he was saying so so that it seems to me that he was saying well that that the the means are correct um and it we, we can't know, you know, in, in the future what will happen. Those shouldn't even be considerations. We should strictly be focusing on punishment because it's the right thing to do. I was just, does that, does that mesh at all? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you yeah, see that I would, comparing I would to what just, you're saying? Yeah, I would say that the discussion there is, is over the means. And I would disagree with that assessment. Um, I mean, what's the purpose of punishment? If there's, there's no utilitarian purpose to punishment, you're going to harm somebody and you don't have a, a reason to, that doesn't strike me as particularly persuasive. So yeah. I, I would, I think that it's still a good paradigm because it focuses the discussion where there's the disagreement. So this individual is like, I am sure that it is good to punish people regardless of anything. It's a good thing morally to do. Well, I don't know probably depends on the circumstances. Let's have that discussion and that can focus our attention where there's an actual disagreement. Whereas mm -hmm. if we bring in discussion of ends, like, like you said, yeah, utilitarian, whatever, like, I don't, I don't like it. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, first let's have a discussion over why you think that the like, what, what are the, perp what, what is the purpose of this means that you're engaging in? I think that um, one of the things that we need to try to do is to entangle the concept of ends from the concept of something like motives. So it's sort of like you could say, well, here's an end that I want, an end point to this action that leads to a series of actions. And through a chain of events, we'll arrive at this particular sunny upland of progress or whatever. Like uh, one of the things that sprung to mind to me when we when we pitched the topic was um, Lysenkoism and the notion that um, here the end, the end state was something like, we're going to have a massive food supply. We're going to be able to feed every mouth by creating these sort of hybrid um, crops, essentially, um, using a very, very backwards and uh, and and benighted sort of understanding about about um uh, biology and so like so the end was like everybody gets fed the motive was um we want to feed everybody the end result was something quite different the end result was catastrophe famine all the usual problems and bugs that crawl into a system like when you're when you essentially have a utopian end in mind 
And so it's sort of like, but what was interesting about accountability along the Lysenko project was that like that it, it kept getting outsourced somewhere else. So like, like eventually, yes, Lysenko sort of met his fate. But along the path of all of those errors, accountability was kind of pushed outward to people that were like raising objections, people that were noticing that the means weren't working, people that were essentially confronting the whole theory that Lysenko proposed and also just pointing to brick and mortar evidence of its failures. Well, they got punished first. There was a long chain of punishments until Lysenko and his crazy theories were expunged from the system. And a lot of harm was done there because I think the accountability, and this, this relates to like the way that I perceive sort of the busted circuitry of accountability that we're experiencing today, is that it's something like a perverse risk pool, like, a, like almost like an insurance risk pool, right? And it's kind of like, a, you know, so the buy-in might be very large or very small um, to this accountability pool, we'll call it. And depending on the sh- way that the system, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a, a system of law, the way the way that it's structured like matters because what the worst result is, I think what we're seeing now, what we saw with Lysenko, is that accountability is actually this is even worse because it, what we're seeing now is the accountability curve, like the distribution curve of accountability going flat, where like you know people essentially the buy-in is enough to render them immune from any particular end. And so therefore all means are become sort of available, including like means that contradict each other, including like all kinds of actions that are just going to lead to graft and ruin and corruption. And at the end of the day, like once that, that end goal, first of all, the end state isn't, isn't met instead it's, we we're, we're, we're standing in ruins. And like when that happens, the accountability was spread so thinly across such a wide area that nobody essentially is accountable. Like that's the sort of the game. And I think we like maybe somebody could chime in because like I have theories about how that game sort of came into fruition. But like I do think it is the game that we're playing. It's sort of like the, the where the real game that we were we should be playing is something like a structure where accountability is built in at every level instead of a sort of this unified centralized leviathan where like you know everybody can kind of point in a circle and and at the end of the day no one is punished no matter how bad the outcome you know like started, i think that that explains covid yeah good you started talking about uh intentions and and kind of demonstrated i think the point that i would make that intentions are kind of a red herring because other than people telling us what their intentions are, we can only infer them from means and ends. So really the, you know, the focus a priori is on means after you can observe the results, then you can consider ends, but intentions, you know, we were, our, our, our reason is oriented around moralizing our self-interest. And so all asking somebody's intentions is going to do is get the best narrative they can produce to justify their means and their their the purported ends that they're trying to strive towards. 
Yeah, I agree. It's And it's sort of like, and that's why I think morality starts as a system of self-restraint. You know, it's not, you know, you have this abstraction of the law, this this big sort of looming threat that, um, you know, grows all of these appendages that can actually hurt you, that can hurt your family, that can um, really make like a mess of your life um, if you step outside of those boundaries. Um, whereas morality is something more of a, akin to um, the ability to 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 take into account all of the you know the the multivariate um, graphs and factors around you um, clearly see all the options and then choose from them the wisest one and, and the wisest one is 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 not necessarily the one that grants you the most individual power it it, it could be something like okay so you know it could be for instance. Um, a sacrifice, right? Um, and, you know, the different systems of morality are really, when you boil them down to is what is acceptable, what is an acceptable sacrifice? Like what is, is what is permissible to sacrifice, you know, and, 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 and various religions and philosophies have a different answer, um, a different spectrum of like what may or may not be sacrificed. Um, personally, I, I subscribe to the one that says, only the self is permissible to be sacrificed. That would that would be sort of the basis of my Christianity, let's say. Um, other people might sort of expand that circle and say, like, well, you know, there are other sacrifices that are permissible. And by, by the way, when I say sacri- self-sacrifice, I don't mean necessarily death. You know, it could be a sacrifice of comfort. It could be a sacrifice of of of, of money. It could be a sacrifice of time or effort or or any of a number of things. Um, but absent that, like if you if you are in a system where you say like, well, everything is permissible as long as the end is um, not even achieved, but like, but like as you said, like is something that I could disguise later. I could cloak in a narrative if it doesn't come to fruition. I can I can somehow displace accountability or distribute it somehow where where at the end of the day. Um, I may be punished, but my punishment isn't going to fit the crime. It's going to fall well short of it. Uh, I think that that's, that, that's, unfortunately, I think that that is the ethos that kind of drives all of the various institutions and authority structures that we see right now that are sort of roving through the world, leaving a wake of carnage and destruction in their path. And so like, you know, the... We're in this situation now with, uh, you know, with the whole pandemic response where things are, are so backwards that, okay, so in an ordinary situation, I think, like in a, in, w- within, within our history, our, 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 you know, North American history, or even, well, I'll, I'll stick to North America, there's this, there, there has been, I think, kind of a focus on, on means, at least according to the rule of law, like you either, you, you do, well, these certain things we just don't do, and then it's in it's in anomalous situations where things happen where it's like okay we're in a we're in a new situation um now we're going to kind of change the things that we've been doing because of these new circumstances right so then this focus becomes on the end well we have well we have to do this because we want this thing to happen in the future we want this good outcome to happen in the future and that's that's the justification for why we're you know changing the way we do things while we're essentially breaking the law establishing new norms, um, implementing these, these new policies and behavior and behaviors and actions that were unacceptable a year or two years, three years ago, or even, or five or 10 or 20. 
So now we're in the situation where, where it's kind of like um, they're, they get to have their, have their cake and eat it too, in the sense that looking back on it, they can say, oh, well, that didn't work. And we have all these bad ends that resulted because of that. But you can't, uh, you can't um, hold us accountable for that because the means that we took, we had really good intentions when we took them and, uh, and we had a really good end in mind. So you can't judge us because of the, because of the means or the end, because, uh, you know, <laughs> you just can't, we, we, we can't be held accountable on either of them. So we're in the situation where it's a, uh, where neither works. And, uh, so, so I think, uh, I think Grant, the way, like, I, I hadn't heard anyone put it like that before, but I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a, a great, a great framework to start out from. It's, it's, is to to revert back to a to a focus on the means. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Is, do you kind of see it the same way that uh, it's kind of been hacked so that the accountability doesn't work uh, like on either end of the of the spectrum there? Yeah, I absolutely think that that's the intent. You know, I, like the the system depends on that strategy more than anything else. They depend on hypocrisy and delusion and those things being ubiquitous to confer status. So like you're a, a willingness to believe in absurd things and essentially believe and comply with whatever gives, you know, this, this globo homo Borg, the most ability to control and influence people's lives is what confers status, but they, they can't operate that way in a situation where they can be held accountable for their failures because their failures are legion. So it is a, it is the principal means by which it's all accomplished. I think, you know, and, and that's why I think we've been circling around accountability for a long time and kind of recognizing that that's the common thread because if, if they could be held accountable for what they've done and the fruits that have been born, from their means that they'll be they'll they're candid about you know uh what's the book nudge about like just read what they've said that they think is what's best for society is people are too stupid like they're not good at making decisions and so we can use the coercive apparatus of the state in order to influence social behavior uh for everybody's benefit you know, and it's like, okay, that's a hypothesis, but that means is coercive and it is hypocritical because they, like these people wouldn't want somebody doing that to them and constraining their choices. So it's hypocritical. So that should warrant extra scrutiny right there. Um, but then as soon as it doesn't work out, when you apply these things at the level of a civilization, how, how, <laughs> hold them accountable for it uh wow. you know it's 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 nearly impossible so yeah no i this it's not to say that intentions aren't important they are important but really the only way that we can infer intentions is by looking at the means and examining the outcome and before the outcome happens when there's policy decisions being made all we can look at is the means that they're advocating so it's like really where all the focus should be. And that's why I don't think that these means that we all kind of agree are immoral 
can never be justified at scale. And if you want to justify them and you feel really strongly about it, then, hey, maybe that's what the federal system's for. And you live in a small local community and maybe at a very local level, people can experiment with that kind of thing. But that's not a community that I would want to live in because I think predictably it's going to result in in bad outcomes for this reason, because even at the local level, it'd be very difficult to hold people accountable at, at a national level or inter- internationally. It's it's all but impossible. And yes, they will always defend themselves by painting their intentions in the best possible light, which in a complex situation where analyzing the data, you know, you could you could cut and slice it a million different ways and people just don't have the numeracy in order to not be fooled by people doing so uh, with ulterior motives. Um, I, yeah, I think that's, that's the only way is you got to focus on means. Well, maybe I, that's okay. Also, um, no, I was just going to say, uh, maybe there's also a distinction to be drawn, you know, between uh, uh, like personal morality. So how we work on our own um, moral stance, right? And how we look at it from a, a societal perspective. Because uh, I think what 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 was discussed so far was more the societal perspective and this is uh obviously important because as you as you guys said um you we can only infer intentions right i mean it's just not possible to look into people's heads um but for for ourselves when we take moral decisions or like think about what to do and all that i think it's actually useful to work on on the intention bit as well and just uh, get better at it first of all at recognizing your own bs right like your own narratives and uh like how you do delude yourself into believing that you have like good intentions uh when in fact you know all you all you want to do is have that cake or whatever um or that guy's money or what have you uh, so that's that's i think uh, very useful i mean that's not like uh other people won't necessarily be able to judge you based on that right but this it's just uh, important for for yourself um and the same maybe for ends even you know um so just to the, what kind of goals you you have in mind for certain things and and what what is your experience with these goals and what what is realistic and all that so um yeah so so i think from a personal individual perspective it it becomes a bit uh, complicated because you cannot just judge yourself by the means you know you because you have to kind of come up with intentions and 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 goals and think about it in that way but again but again i agree from like from from societal perspective it's very useful uh it might not be like the uh truth you know about everything but it's a very useful way of looking at it because you filter out that nonsense that people will tell about their their intentions and and their objectives and and they even while they might believe in them themselves right so so it just just makes it very kind of useless oftentimes yeah absolutely that's that's where the point about uh, the immorality of delusion comes from because it's that's exactly it you only really have control over examining that and monitoring for that in yourself and if you don't do it, you will rationalize and moralize your self-interest in a way that harms other people. 
you will. Everybody is going to do that to a certain extent. Like we're kind of designed to do that. Um, that's that's a part of what I mean. What a reason and capacity is for is to create a narrative that explains how what we're doing has is noble intentions. And if we believe that narrative, even if it's not true, if it's not true, that's efficient self-deception in an evolutionary fitness context. And so, yeah, if you're not monitoring for that, you're going to end up doing it because there are massive social advantages to doing so, to being able to use coercion, theft, fraud, deceit in order to take things at other people's expense while still maintaining an outward narrative that you're not doing that. And it also makes it way easier to lie, right? If you really believe that crap that you tell yourself, because if you really believe it, then it's easy to convince others. You know, that's yeah, the case. Not, yeah. At that point, you're not, you lie to yourself and then you're not lying to anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. You're being honest and, and we have, instincts that are designed around detecting deception that you'll be able to overcome if you internalize lies to yourself well i like i like the idea that grant you, you mentioned the word monitoring because i think a lot of this is a monitoring problem and by that i mean like you know it, it not exactly policing but kind of policing on a regular basis so in other words there are you know the the iterations of of how often you check to see if a means is 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 um, achieving a particular desirable, agreed upon ends. It's sort of like uh, like when you think about the communist five year plans. It's just sort of like well, they figured out the greatest inc increment in which to disguise the failures um, of given policies. Like in other words, that increment was way too long um, in in terms of like this of checking in. And saying uh, and saying, hey, is this working or is this producing a bad result? Is this is this actually harming? Um, it would be like regular checkups of a doctor. Uh, and also, I would, I, even though I hate to use tech analogies, uh, it also reminds me of, um, I guess, ver a concept of called version control. So, if if I'm working in a large development environment with lots of developers that are all working on essentially the same code base. Uh, the way that this happens is, so the product, the end, in our case, is a software product uh, that is functional, is maximally functional, uh, maximally marketable, etc. Um, on the way to that, there will be a lot of hands and fingers on this software. A lot of eyeballs and minds are essentially um, altering each other's code. And every time that you do that, um, if you're using... You know, there are various systems of version control, but like essentially you're signing off on your changes. So it's sort of like every change that you make, if it's a line of code, if it's if it's if it's a hundred lines of code or a thousand, you're signing off on those changes and there is a record of those changes that can be rolled back. And so what happens is normally like like when the process gets rolling um, along, a, you know, sometimes QA is built in from the beginning. But at a certain point, quality assurance steps in and they say, okay, we're going to help also monitor each of these changes because we know that you're you're in the business of creating, you're in the business of developing, you're in the business of trying to make things work, which will also which will often cause all kinds of unforeseen errors. You'll, you'll break other people's code. And so like a really good quality assurance manager will just look at all of that, see the big picture and say, okay, 
I understand how this change caused these butterfly effects over here, and we could roll back to this stage. And at each stage of, uh, at each point of change, you have accountability built in because, again, you're logging into this version control system, and like whatever changes you make are not anonymous; they are they are signed by you, and they are regularly like when the change is made is the moment at which the accountability uh, can be traced back to. And we don't really have something similar to that right now. I, I don't, I think we have something that's much more akin to a five-year plan or maybe even just the N-year plan, a, a plan that infinitely uh, expands um, the, the, uh, the ends, the, the goalposts are moved continually forward so that there, there almost isn't any check. There is no version control whatsoever. The the thing just mutates and the story mutates along with it. All of the narrative um, skullduggery used to rationalize all the failures kind of just kind of floats along. Which is I, think the, point. I think the the version control system has uh, you know contracted a virus and has overtaken the rest of the system. <laughs> Something. Yeah, like I mean, like I. Well, it's sort of, or they do you have like a basically a real evil, like, you know, QA manager who, who is playing favorites and who is, and who is, you know, uh, blind to certain errors and magnifying or, or, or even, um, blaming things that, you know, uh, blaming factors, blaming developers that had nothing to do with the bugs in question, right? Because they're, because they have their own, they're playing their own metagame somewhere. Where it's just sort of like, well, as long as the people that are on my team remain immune from from blame, essentially, from accountability, then I don't care. The project can go on forever. The product could flop. I don't care. I'm just here to like get a paycheck, get whatever I can out of the system, maybe steal and rob from it if I can. Uh, it, it doesn't particularly matter to me because my loyalty is not to the end. My loyalty, such that it even exists is to myself and like a few other people who are involved in my circles who will also, you know, shield me from accountability. Uh, and, and if you get enough of those people, essentially you not only have a busted non-functional product, um, the company collapses. Uh, uh, eventually even those pirates go broke. You know, it's like, I, I think that's kind of what we're faced with. It's sort of like this nihilism of the moment. Uh, this short, like a nihilism board of sh short sightedness. So it's just sort of like, I just need to get, I don't need to get past the next code review. I just need to get past the next, or I don't need to get, um, I, I, I'm struggling. I want to get out of this metaphor right now. It, it, it's something like along the lines of, um, I feel like uh, we don't actually, know. we don't actually have quality control. We have, yeah, the, that layer it's, doesn't it's, exist it's, anymore. It's, it's, it's well, it's anti quality. So the people getting punished for things are the ones who point out the bugs. Like that's what, like Lysenko. Uh, yeah, exactly. This yeah, is my point. Yeah, like it's, it's like the, the ones that point. it's the yeah, so like, yeah. You know, you, yeah, right. So I mean, like you look at a concrete example uh, a couple of years ago in the pullout from Afghanistan. Um, there was that colonel who uh, was disgusted by the uh, fecklessness of American military leadership and political leadership and you know, the billions of dollars of gear that fell into the hands of the Taliban and the whole rest of it. And, you know, he said so. And he was the only person in the entire military hierarchy to get 
punished. All of the generals, like like no one was accountable. So basically, all he was doing was pointing out, like, here was a massive flaw in how we did this. Um, and it, that 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 happens all through society, it seems. Um, yeah. So like, of, I mean, and then yeah, so, it's, so, it's, so, yeah. then you're talking about the kind, of, the kind of nihilism that arises from that, where people stop trying to make good products or perform good services or uh, you know do their jobs properly, and by and large, it just becomes this matter of like, okay, how can I extract as much as I can from this like collapsing system for myself? Because you have no faith that the system can actually work. So you know why why put anything into that? Yeah, behaviors that increase the likelihood of accountability are coded as low status by the by the current elite. So anything that anybody does that suggests, hey, this is a way that we could increase accountability. So say talking about Pfizer and emergency use authorization on vaccines and how those manufacturers are indemnified of liability. Somebody that brings that up that's a low status thing to bring up. Like, why would you say that? That's going to increase vaccine hesitancy. Like, you're obviously a nut job conspiracy theorist, even though it's an obvious point. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter the veracity of the point. Like, what what prevents people from adopting those beliefs is the status aspect of it, and the system. Whether these people understand what's going on or not like that is what's going on the system demands status or demands account like illegibility with respect to accountability like it needs it to survive more than anything because they all suck and if we could hold them accountable for how much they suck it'd be over and that's in even if it's not explicitly understood it's implicitly understood and so there's that's that's the schism that's the divide. yeah so 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 like w- William Briggs has been talking for you know, years about like he always comes back to the expertocracy right you've got this uh, set of people who like largely in academia some of the think tanks and they each kind of specialize in something like Cass Sunstein would certainly be an example of of, of this class um, but they don't usually wield sort of direct power in the sense of like they're making decisions as to what policy will be. They just suggest things. And they all agree with the suggestions that all of the other experts make. And then the political actors who actually implement these things, well, they're not really responsible either because it's not their idea. They're just listening to expert advice and they're implementing, you know, best practices. So like, and that, and there's this incredible loyalty inside that expert class because, of course, like you said, like if, if, if one of them goes rogue and starts saying, hey, for instance, lockdowns don't seem to have worked or vaccine, these vaccines don't seem to be very effective, um, that undermines the entire rest of the system kind of by implication. And they all sort of tacitly understand that. So they, they're completely unskeptical as to like anything that other experts in other fields say, they just kind of like, you know, take it uh, as read that, you know, it's all true. Um, and then now extrapolate, now extrapolate that to AI. 
extrapolate that oh, to AI oh, because that's oh, the yeah 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 yeah, so, yeah no totally because okay. the experts won't um, even be human at that point. Well, the, yeah, and it's that and the AI is so shitty too. I mean, if you look at the things that ChatGPT will write, it's a bullshit generator. Like it, it'll it'll make stuff up that is just utterly nonsensical, uh, or or is quite shallow, or both. Um, but then again, so are white papers of big corporations, right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, was it Alexander Svetsky who uh, he joked that AI, like or LLMs at least, are really kind of like a midwit simulator, like a normie simulator? Yeah, like, you know, they're incredibly good at like you know pumping out exactly the kind of like meaningless text that the uh, the managerial class loves to pump out there that like looks like superficially when you glance at it like oh a lot of thought went into this this is like really you know careful uh extensive intellectual scholarly work here and then when you dig into it you're like this is this, this is not nonsense um and because they they have no minds they have no consciousness they they have no bodies they're disembodied so it's sort of like the perfect fall guy that you're developing it's not really well, yeah, a guy who's who's responsible but it's like, is, it, is it is it the programming team is it the people who cured the training data you know was it the guy who wrote no the no because because right. ml has run off the table there they, they don't even know why it's doing things that it's doing that's, whether that's we're talking point, about that's, that's, LLM, that's, 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 that's or nlp the there's, there's 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 no one in the in the chain to get held responsible i remember like years ago this like 15 years ago there was uh this incident i think in south africa where they were uh experimenting with a robotic like self-targeting artillery piece and someone was killed <laughs> in the experiment and it kind of kicked off this like uh kind of debate over like well okay like when this kind of thing happens with a robot like who's responsible is it the engineer is it the programmer is it you know because there's so many people involved in like developing the technology that the, the responsibility is diffused across all of them uh you can't really hold any one person accountable you certainly can't hold the robot accountable it, ha it has no moral agency of its own. Um, well that's why i think what grant says about like we just need to police means is is probably the closest thing to an actual answer in the sense that you know like like particular things that are done are the things that need to uh, be held to account because we will never uh, account hold um, people accountable for their ends, and some of the so at some point they're not even going to be people to do that to, like there there'll be no one to threaten under color of law or or under the gun or anything at all, which is I think explains why the elites like are so um, fascinated with AI development and why they're so. Um, uh, just sort of enraptured with it and are talking about all of the various ways in which it's going to make life better and blah, blah, blah. I think ultimately what a lot of people deep down see is like, this is the greatest thing. This is the greatest innovation in escaping accountability, um, which is what they're desperate to do in every single case. As a matter of fact, you can almost say that that is, the, that is fundamental to evil. The, the 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 idea of escaping accountability, the idea of never being held responsible for what harms you commit, I think is like is you know it, it's it's fundamental. It's sort of like the difference between let's say um someone in a in a situation in war, um where they had to make they had they had to make a a, a very difficult choice among a, a bunch of bad options. All of those options would probably lead to some kind of 
bad outcome. And it was just sort of, so they had to juggle all of these bad outcomes and say, geez, which is the least bad in this situation? You know, and like in that sense, like like when when you were uh, determining accountability for that purpose, for that person, you would have to mitigate it um, based upon like really looking at the situation that they were in. You'd have to like use that as a principle and say like, okay, like this guy was in a very, very bad position where like all of his choices were bad and all of them would pretty logically and swiftly lead to some pretty terrible outcomes for for someone or another. Um, that's that's the purpose of justice. Um, the, the purpose of justice is not just a sword that says, this law says this right here, and you broke it in this technical way, and therefore your punishment should be this. You know, that's not a concept of justice that, that can apply to human beings at all. And yet, uh, I've heard that, like, you already have some, some district courts that are, like, trying to use AI as part like build it into their sentencing system and i'm just sort of like well what what fresh madness is this you know because again it's sort of like even the judges can be held accountable for things um even the judges can be held accountable for their decisions in in a system that's sane at all uh so i think like like if only in the court of public opinion i mean to the extent well, that matters because the court of public opinion sometimes has pitchforks and torches. It affects how they see themselves too. So at the very least cognitive dissonance, but to the extent that uh, accountability disincentivizes and punishes evil, it also incentivizes and rewards good to the exact same extent, you know, there's another massive benefit to it. But what it tells you too is that people that meaningfully seek accountability, um, you know, that's that's probably a good thing. That's probably somebody that uh, you want to throw in with, especially if they actually accomplish increasing legibility in terms of accountability that affects them. Um, of course, it's not... It, it, it's just another trick if somebody's advocating for accountability for somebody else, but outside the system that they operate in. That's well, that's that's, that's why I think like like admitting mistakes is important. Like that's an important judge of character for, for me. Like in, in assessing someone's character, I have to say, did they make mistakes? And did they say, did they know that they said it? And did they say, I made a mistake here? Do they, you know, we're seeing this with COVID right now, like where we're seeing a bunch of people, um, scoundrels, who are essentially pointing backwards in time and saying, I was right at the time. This is a phenomenon that I knew was going to happen. You're seeing a lot of people that blundered big time, that coerced, that bullied, that threatened, um, that that absolutely, uh, that prayed for death in many cases openly, which I think is a pretty good signal of character and maybe something yeah, like, um, like, Sam, like Sam Harris, for instance, like uh, Sam Harris, like right. And he said, I was right at the time. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was actually watching him tie himself in, in verbal knots, trying to explain how uh, he was right, even though he was wrong. And Brett Weinstein was wrong, even though he was right, because he was, he was right for the wrong reasons. And Sam Harris was wrong for the right reasons. So Sam Harris is right. It's just like, no, you were just, The devil's you were tongue just, is forked for a reason. Yeah, you no, know, exactly. it's like they, they, like you, it's like, bro, you were just wrong. Like, <laughs> and like, right. 
Yeah, and like and, yeah, and yeah. And it, you could. Well, I wrote about wrong. this, like, yeah. and yeah, you know, it's um, and it's something that's funny. I've noticed, like, kind of professionally, is like it's almost like a a, a a marker of professional maturity is the ability to just kind of shrug when you get something wrong and be like, oh well, you know, I got it wrong. And like, you know, like live and learn and you move on. Whereas like the, the sort of more like the younger professionals who still kind of have imposter syndrome, like they're loath to ever admit that they got something wrong. So it's like failing a test, you know, and they always feel like they're being tested. I feel, I don't know. <laughs> well, to some degree they are. are. Not, they are. Yeah. But, the, but, you know, these people are just, they're not, they're obviously not, they don't feel secure in their positions of like uh prestige and uh expertise because they're, they they have this in and you can tell that because they have the inability to ever admit that they were wrong even when everyone can see that they're wrong um the neocons oh my god that's another great example of this right i mean these people have gotten every single foreign policy question of the last 30 years wildly wrong disastrously, catastrophically wrong. Millions of people are dead because of all, all of their mistakes. Uh, and, and and yet they continue. Like, they're still, like, getting interviewed on, like, CNN and Fox News and writing op-eds in the New York Times. And, like, they like, never admit that they're wrong or anything. I mean, so, if, if, if you're making the case that at the time I was right, you know, um, then at least, you know, when the exact same situation comes up, you know, today... Then at least you know act differently. But um, I mean, these guys—they uh, just do the same thing again, you know. And uh, that—that's kind of amazing. right. Like exactly. Like you. So like conversely, you can take someone like uh, like Tucker Carlson, right? Like you know, big media figure. He's been around for a long time. Uh, used to be pretty cringe, and he was definitely kind of a neocon back in the day. And he's just like straight up, like yeah, I admit I was wrong about that. You know, I was wrong about Iraq. You know, I was wrong about Afghanistan. I was wrong about a lot. And he, like, admits up all the time. And actually, by doing that, he gains credibility because he's being honest. I remember, Mark, you had a piece uh, a while back uh, talking about 9-11 and how that yeah. affected you, like, psychologically and emotionally for, like, you know, some period of years afterwards. Um, I thought that was great. Like, I wish I had the uh, balls to publish a couple like that because I went down the same, like, path for a few years there after 9-11 and in retrospect you know it's just like wow did i ever fall for that one you know like was i yeah nobody nobody ever wants to admit like not just that they were wrong but that they fell for something like it's it's a it's a weird thing especially 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 something monstrous you know um yeah right that's the problem i I thought obama was a great guy man Seriously? Well, when he was elected, when he was first elected, uh, yeah. I was I was already enough of a conspiracy theorist by this by two thousand eight. No, that, that like, was the running, and that, all my all my lefty friends were like, "He's the Messiah," and I was like, "He's working directly with Goldman Sachs." Yeah. Like, so that that was right before my my awakening. But you can't. I mean, you can be really cringe if you have no clue. No, I agree. I was just making fun. I mean, I think you're right, Luke. Like, like that kind of rabbit duck illusion happens a lot more often than most people are willing to accept. It's just sort of like that. Even 9-11 wasn't the first time that I was wrong. But it's sort of like it probably was the biggest error that I ever made. It was the biggest, like, let's put it this way. It was the biggest game that I fell for. 
And like, so to admit that publicly, the point I was trying to make with that article was that I'm doing something that's going to hurt me in some way right now. By admitting wrong, I know that I'm basically opening myself up to endless critique by people that are not necessarily genuine actors. Like, like, so that's the, that's the flip side of that. Like it's, it's not exactly courageous because the people that would use my admission of error against me, um, there's, there's no mollifying them. There's no, there's no way in which I can win the game that they're playing because they are always right. And I will always be wrong, whether I'm proven right or wrong. You know, like that's that's the accountability trick there. It's sort of like the people that are that that are playing the game of I'm always right and let me justify it ex post facto. It's like you can't play any kind of useful game with those people. Nothing productive can come of that. You were talking earlier about this kind of like cybernetic uh, control loop um, in terms of like keeping five year plans on on track by and like you know how accountability plays into that right like that you're you're constantly checking okay do the means make sense with our ends like this is a similar kind of thing we're like you know we're all human we make mistakes we get things wrong and when you do and you admit it and it's obvious that you learned actually that at least with a certain, at least with that fraction of the population to whom, like, you know, things like truth and competence matter, uh, actually tends to increase your credibility because, like, they, you can, they can see that you're engaging in this this feedback loop. Um, whereas the people who are like, can't just refuse to ever admit they got something wrong, they're obviously, there's no right. feedback there. Yeah. yeah, this is, a, yeah, yeah. I think this, it's another example of elite status and what governs it so like very clearly admitting that you were wrong is low status in uh, given the current elite hierarchy it is it is absolutely low status because the more elite you are the more you represent institutional power and by admitting you're wrong you undermine institutional power which is in the class interest of the elite and that's what that's what you all like, Mark, when you were talking about, you know, I sense I'm opening myself up here. What you're sensing, you know, because you're intelligent is you are sensing how that behavior is going to lower your status in that hierarchy. But just like John said, like what I think we need and what is what is critical ultimately to having a circulation of the elites is a broad based alternative status hierarchy that is based on the exact inverse so more accountability and a part of accountability uh in this manner and increasing the legibility of accountability is admitting that when you were wrong and taking that taking responsibility and it demonstrates epistemic humility it demonstrates that you're not likely to be delusional and it demonstrates that you're not hypocritical in a lot of ways because we can't help but attack other people for being wrong and wanting uh, other people to admit when they're wrong. And so if we aren't willing to do that ourselves, usually inherently hypocritical, but I, I like this whole conversation as it, as it has shifted over to talking about admitting wrongdoing, I think this is another example of something that has very clear status implications and to the elite, 
That's why the neocons get away with it. CNN endorses it all the way up and down. Uh, they just delight in never admitting that they're wrong. And they look at people who admit they're wrong as stupid rubes that aren't sophisticated enough to engage in uh, in narrative propaganda at scale that's necessary to maintain their control and dominance. Uh, and, and nobody, if you adopt that frame, like you're never going to beat them at that game because and they you can, are. Elite. And you can see that in even in corporations as well, right? Where you have this hardcore like dominance hierarchy guys, but on a very primitive level, right? That just would never admit that they are wrong in anything and see that as totally like weak to to even entertain the idea, right? And sometimes they get away with that. And and these are like some of the most unpleasant bosses or you know colleagues you can have. Uh, uh, oftentimes they don't get away with that if it's too too hardcore. But yeah, I can see that even like you know in in regular situations that type of person. And if you scale that up, you know, to like a powerful politician or cabal, that's basically what what these people are, right? It's it's almost it's it's almost like a, a psychological um, defect, right? It's uh, it's pretty insane if you think about it. I, I agree with a lot of what you, both of you said. Like, but let me take a step back and try to steel man this for a second. Um, like, if I look at what I what I um, uh, what like what I wrote in uh, the art of being wrong, someone can look at that. Someone honest can look at that and say, "But Mark, you didn't really. You're not." you didn't really take accountability because you lost nothing. So in other words, they could say, they could even point to the fact that I operate under a pseudonym and say, wow, you've really lost nothing. Like, like whatever credibility you've lost, you can escape in a, in, in a heartbeat because like you've essentially set up this, um, this, this escape route for yourself through your name. And even if they accepted that, okay, maybe I have some sort of meta accountability through my name because I'm a writer and people recognize me by my work. Um, they could also say, but where's where's the physical accountability for what you admitted to, for the mistake that you made? Because that mistake definitely had effects, even though they may be way down the chain of butterfly effects or network effects, whatever you want to call them. The fact of the matter is the 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 way that I viewed reality at that moment and, and the decisions that I was making, um, uh, all of the small ones that may have led to these larger consequences – It's like, I, have I really paid for them? Um, so that's one way that like someone can look at that honestly and say, well, well, you know, that, that doesn't really compute. And the other way that I think that they could look at it is that they could say like, well, someone like, like what Grant was saying and what Luke was saying about the idea of um, these different kinds of, of hierarchies that we could potentially help to build and, and nourish and maintain It's sort of like another another criticism I can see is somebody would say like, yeah, but if you're smart enough and sly enough and cunning enough, maybe you could metagame those hierarchies as well. You know what I mean? Like 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 that there might be the types of individuals who can who can somehow corrupt those systems from within. And like that's that's the real game, I think. The game is like is like is is something along the lines of. I agree. I'm just steel manning here because I agree. Ultimately, it comes down to trust. It's sort of like we build trust and trust is essentially the currency that keeps these systems, that keeps them safe and maintains them. 
Um, but like somebody, you know, I'm just curious if anybody has any answer to that. Like, what about metagamers? Um, well, and maybe they've existed yeah. in history. Well, you, I mean, like in terms of like losing things, like, you know, like something like 9-11 would, if you go like, if you went, if you fell for that really hard uh, at the time, you did lose something. I mean, like, you know, you lost maybe some illusions about yourself and you came back to your senses, right? Like you, uh, you may well have lost a little bit of respect for yourself. Like, oh, geez, you know, that's incredibly like, it's going to say embarrassing, but it's, it's, I think it's, it's a bit more serious than that. Um, Cause you know, you, you realize that you were supporting monstrous things and it does a kind of spiritual damage to you. Right. So, you know, there wasn't a loss there. Absolutely. And, but then, you know, by sort of, taking accountability for it and saying okay i was wrong about that uh i felt i fell hard for that trick and you know believed in and supported like you know bad things that does actually i mean i think that 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 makes up for it to, to a certain degree it corrects for it um it's different if you're at the decision making level where you're saying go invade that country or go torture those uh uh afghan guys taken by extraordinary rendition you know um that's a different level of accountability that's called for in that case um but yeah that's just I, one thought to like kind of like respond to your i to your point about them trying to metagame it like they're already trying obviously right um because they they believe they don't they don't believe in this version of morality and accountability they think accountability is for suckers for people that are inferior to them um it's it's an in, in to the ex, extent to which you know the next hundred thousand years hundred to a thousand years play out it'll kind of prove uh who's right you know like are they going to be able to get away with it uh forever and is civilization going to do this melt up um and and reach this tech singularity where this small elite few of uh hyper uh quote-unquote rationalist utilitarian consequentialist um but really just power maximization all the way down type mentality like did those people end up running society or not uh they they are very confident that they will and people even that aren't elite that are in dissident spaces uh view those strategies as the winning strategies and think that like they want to circulate the elites but they want to implement the exact same strategies because they accept that fundamental premise that morality is for suckers and um like time time will tell if they're wrong i i think they're they're certainly wrong and i'm willing to stake my life on it or at least my my life's purpose is like i'm aligned against those forces and I'm i think I, I i think i think that's that's wrong too no i i i think you're you're right about that like the the arc of society has been trending more towards like decentralization uh rather than centralization for some time um and there doesn't seem to be any sign of that slowing down and to do that to have an effectively decentralized society you need some kind of coordinating mechanism um 
and a functioning high-level moral system uh, with built-in accountability to it is actually probably one of the best coordinating mechanisms that you have. Uh, so I, I strongly suspect that like we're going to see something like that spread um, and the people sort of participating in that system and doing well within it are going to start sort of accruing prestige and status and becoming that sort of uh, rival elite that ultimately sort of replaces these lying shits that have been uh, dominating everything for the last generations. Like I just, I, and I don't know, maybe it's like a bit of like wishful thinking on my part. I just want them to go away. I don't know. No, I, I like, actually think I, like, I kind of see the same, the same sort of pat, like the same kind of conclusions drawing near. Like we before we started, we were, I, I mentioned like Grant's working on something that I I was interested in because I was th I was working on something similar that I was calling the new and improved knighthood, and I think so. It's like so you have traditionalists on the one hand, and like a lot of them are fairly short sighted and and you know kind of ignorant, and they just say like, well, let's just replicate systems from the past. Not understanding that, like, you know, it's sort of like we learn from the past. It doesn't mean that we repeat the mistakes of the past, but it, it doesn't mean also that the past is entirely thrown out. So, like, in a system of knighthood where uh, a knighthood that was, I, I hesitate to say perfected, but like that was improved in many ways, that we looked at the concept and we said, okay, we looked at the concept of chivalry, for example, and we said, how can we improve this? How can we, how can we, reshape this 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 fairly good idea into something that's very very useful a set of heuristics and a set and a set and a as as grant was saying a sort of an alternative hierarchical system or an alternative um method of of um uh, determining value like if we can take some of those lessons and project them into the current day like maybe you could have something like a system that aligns both with um, individual morality or straddles individual morality and sort of a a, a concept or a conceptual framework that kind of can link people through common conduits into a new chivalry. Like like I I for example like when Grant said um, hypocrisy is is essentially evil and it's something that I think everyone can agree with. Like, or I think you could even take it a step further in saying lying is something that everyone can agree is evil, that it is contrary to the truth, that even for someone who is struggling with the idea of a, of a single objective truth can say like, well, a liar, though, is, is someone who can't be trusted in any circumstance, whether there is an objective truth or not. Uh, you know, at, at base, if somebody lied to you once um, and 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 they can lie to you again. And like, so, so, so taking uh, well, I mean, like, a concept like that. Contact, like, context does need to be taken into account, right? Like, it, you know, it does. Instance, but, like, you know, like if, if, uh, if, if you're, if you're hiding uh, someone in your attic who you've agreed to, um, you know, protect from the Gestapo, for instance, and they come by and you're like, you're like, no, there's no one here. Like you're lying, right? Through your teeth. Right. Uh, lying. Right, but like, to, to tie it into that's the, that battlefield yeah like yeah. lying lying to your schmidian enemies uh is not hypocritical nor delusional 
No, no, no. That, but I'm saying exactly. those are those are special. Those are special use cases. Because what I was really thinking of was lying as a means to um, enhance your own um, power or or authority, like lying for advantage, essentially. Um, and like you're right, that that requires a process. We can't just say every lie is equal, but we can in some way say that every lie isn't that that there probably isn't such a thing as a noble lie. Maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but I've seen this throughout my life because like the problem is, and you were talking about this with means, Grant, like the problem is, is that like we can't allow, we have to restrict the size of that opening into the system. Like that has to be ruthlessly policed. Like the idea of somebody saying that they, 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 they told a lie for the, for the a greater good really needs to be put under the most intense scrutiny and microscope. Because that's where the greatest villains hide out, I think, is in that concept, the concept of the noble lie. It is, it is, you know, when you look at Anthony Fauci, he is, he is, he is essentially, you know, an anthropomorphized version of that concept. You know, he's just saying, well, I, I told lies, but for the right reason. He was doing it in real time, which I thought was interesting. You want to talk about accountability, you know, you know, the, the sort of the back yeah, and forth yeah, on masks on every policy. Yeah, him admitting to that was was crazy and how people just didn't write him off is just proof of this overall concept that and, and all the elite saw him say that and they're like yeah that's that's high status like everybody else was you know in in a new broad-based consensus populism was like that guy is an evil dirtbag um and so like this ties into the inherent contradiction and vulnerability of liberalism, like classical liberalism, universalism. It's tied into this. And the way that you get around it is that you, you use the Schmidian friend-enemy distinction because it's necessary, because there are elements within liberal society and if you if you too broadly apply that universalism to literally everybody, then that will be used against you to destroy you by your enemies that do not hold those universalist values, do not hold classical liberal values. They don't. They pretend to. They use them against you, and they don't. And so, why why is that first principle non hypocrisy? Is because it explicitly paints those individuals as immoral. And so uh, that that accounts for lying. It, it accounts for all these means that seem questionable. It's really it's that the means are hypocritical. It's that they they are delusional, and that's tied into to everything else. So um, I'll I'll close us out on that note because uh, we've been losing through attrition because we've been ha- had some good conversation beforehand. But um, you know I'm going to include a link to John's article. That is about non-compliance with systems that there are no, there's no accountability uh, because it's highly relevant to this conversation. And then I'll also include a link to to what I just wrote right right before starting this off. Uh, and thank you all again for joining us for another tonic discussion. And we'll see you all next time.